0: Hello again fight fans, welcome back to The Neutral Corner episode 97. We're approaching episode 100, almost 100 episodes of The Neutral Corner. I'm Michael Montero from Boxing Monthly. By the way, new issue, October issue is out and of course the man Anthony Joshua back on the cover. He's been on the cover of the MAG a few times, but uh, you know what, he's obviously the most famous fighter in the UK. He might be the most famous athlete in the UK. And I'm telling you, as soon as he comes over to the USA, he's going to become the most famous boxer here as well. So he deserves to be on the cover multiple times. Why wouldn't we put him on there? All right, guys, a uh, couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, first of all, this is going to be a, a two-week preview episode. I'm going to be off next week. We're going to be off. I actually have family coming to town from the East Coast. My mom, my dad, my sister, her boyfriend are going to be hanging out with me, uh, Tiffany. Tiffany. And my brother Anthony so it's gonna be a packed house we're gonna be doing all kinds of fun stuff taking a few days off with all the craziness going on in the world we could all certainly use it right so um, yeah so this week we're going to preview what's coming up we got a couple of fights this weekend but a lot of fights next weekend October 14th, so more about that later on in the episode. Um, last weekend I had some fun, man. Went there was, a, there was a beer fest here in Los Angeles, and uh, I tweeted out a few pictures, a couple of you guys saw them. Here's one with the little mini mug, and a few of you guys, you asked me about the mug, that's just the mug that they give you when you come in. There, there's thousands of people that go to this thing. There's over 100 breweries. They do it twice a year downtown LA, only a couple miles from where I live. So if we don't have a lot going on on a Saturday, we'll, we'll go check it out. But um, it's a few hours, and they give you that little mug to just go sample all the breweries. Like I said, it's like over 100. And let me tell you, that mug, yes, it's very tiny. But after you get to, through about half of those breweries, It works. It definitely worked. Uh, we were all feeling very, very happy when we left beer fest. We went out and got some pizza and some cannoli, a lot of fun. Uh, here's a picture we took at a photo booth there at beer fest. And I I don't know exactly what's going on here. (laughs) I, I, they had a bunch of like things you could just pick up and take with you into the photo booth. So I'm wearing a pizza hat or maybe that's a scarf. I, I don't know, a pizza scarf. And, um, a Viking cap. I have an axe right there and some triple X elephant trunk thing. I don't know. Tiffany grabbed a big piece of Italian bread. Uh, maybe she was subliminally trying to give me a hint there. And uh, my brother had a rubber chicken and a boxing glove. So that definitely uh, that got pinned on my Twitter profile for a while. That was a good one. Anyway, so that's it, man. I just thought you guys could use a couple of laughs from some of the, my idiocy this weekend. Let's get into news and notes. all right first order of business everyone's favorite topic pay-per-view numbers now you're seeing some tweets and some posts from uh different sources talking about the canelo golovkin pay-per-view numbers and if i talked a little bit about this already uh forgive me for bringing it up again i just want to uh reiterate a couple of things the reporter number right now is 1.3 million pay-per-view buys which is a very very good buy rate But that does not take into consideration a couple of different outlets. I don't quote me, but I'm not sure if that includes the movie theaters that that showed the fight. And I know that it doesn't include some of the online streaming. Uh, Golden Boy through, I think, Ring TV through that website, sold the pay-per-view online where you could get a stream where I think uh, Doug Fisher and Beto Duran called the action. So it was on a different stream than the HBO folks who i know more and more people are growing tired of that and are preferring doug fisher beto duran steve kim those guys and their calling of the fight so more and more people are ordering the online stream of some of these pay-per-views and i do think that's the future of the business the number i'm hearing and this is i've told some of you guys this for the last week or so i'm hearing it's going to do around 1.5 to 1.6 once it's all said and done That's going to be the final number and you know, look, considering it came three weeks, literally exactly three weeks after the circus, you know, the Mayweather McGregor thing, which did somewhere in the low to mid four millions. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. I think 4.4 million buys itself. When you look at those two combined. I mean, within three weeks, you had well over 5 million pay-per-views being sold. You know, one card really was a circus-type freak show that had a somewhat interesting undercard. Not that great, but interesting, a couple of the fights. And then you looked at the, the other one, and that was the real event, but it was all main event. It had a horrible undercard. Uh, you know, you look at Canelo Golovkin, I think the gate, off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it was $27 million did a ton of merchandise, tons of sponsorship money. The, the foreign TV buy rates and, and TV ratings were outstanding. It was in well over 100 countries, as most of these big pay-per-views are. But some of the big pay-per-views don't, don't correlate or translate well in other countries. This one did, of course, throughout Latin America and Europe. It did very, very well. And even in some of the Asian markets, it did fairly well. So <clears throat> uh, Canelo Golovkin overall, a commercial success especially considering, like I said, that some of the luster, I think some of the, a lot of the people we know that bought the Mayweather McGregor fight were casual MMA fans and just general sports fans who, who really don't know anything about boxing or MMA, but just kind of wanted to be part of a big event, just wanted something to do on a Saturday night. And that was the thing that was trending. So it, some people just wanted to be there, right? Who knows if, if maybe 10% of that, the people who bought that event, would have maybe bought Canelo Golovkin. There's no way to know that for sure. And people can argue back and forth that there's no correlation between the two. I do think that there was some. I do think there some uh, crossover between the two. Yeah, 90% was marketing to two completely different fan bases. One, one was marketing to, like I said, casual sports fans. One was marketing to boxing fans. But there is that small amount of crossover, and you do wonder, you know how many, maybe, maybe it'd be 300,000 or more if Mayweather McGregor never happened that would have bought Canelo Golovkin. Who knows? But years ago, in this, you know, a year or two ago, when people were talking about this fight, and you guys were asking me what I think it would do pay per view wise, I said 1.5 to 2 million pay per views. I thought that at its best, it could have been a 2 million pay per view buy event. But with, all, with the distraction that happened this summer in Vegas you know, before this fight and everything, I think it did good overall. I'll just say this much. Golden Boy Promotions, they can hoop and holler and all this about all their success of this great promotion. And this really was their, their prize possession, fighting at the biggest stage of his career. And Golden Boy Promotions now, uh, you know, totally on their own. Without Richard Schaefer, without Al Heyman, you know, totally on their own. This was their signature event to date. It really was. And it went off very, very well. Successful promotion. Unfortunately, as a black eye, because of Adelaide Bird's disgusting score and Bob Bennett's refusal to do anything about it. But they got to get it right with the rematch. The rematch has to happen in May. Canelo Golovkin 2 cannot be delayed to next September. No excuses. No interim fight with Billy Joe Saunders or, or Danny Jacobs or anything like this. No, 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 no. Go right to the rematch. If they do it right, and the sooner Golden Boy Promotions signs and announces the rematch, the sooner they can start promoting it, okay? Remember, it's October. We're still how many months away from May? If they sign this thing by November, December, you've got six months to promote it. If they lollygag and lose some of this momentum, look what happened to Kovalev Ward 2. Now, completely different situation. I understand that. But Rock Nation took so long because Andre Ward wanted to change the deal and all this stuff. It took so long signing the rematch, it lost any momentum it had. And people were really interested after the first fight and all the controversy. Golden Boy Promotions has to get this thing right. They have to sign the damn rematch very soon and make it happen, and it needs to be immediate. No interim layup for either guy. They go right into a rematch in May, and if they do that, the second fight will do even bigger business. There will be no distraction. There will be no circus next year. The May Cinco de Mayo date generally does better business-wise than the September uh, Mexican Independence Day holiday date because all the people in the East Coast states, the, the Midwest, the cold states, springtime's coming in May. Things are getting warmer. School's getting out soon. People have been you know, cooped up in her house, it's been cold all damn winter. They want to go out and do something fun. A big fight comes to Vegas in May. They can't wait to get out there and start partying. So that that event around Cinco de Mayo, that is the signature date of the year. And if Golden Boy does this thing right, I think that the the rematch will sell even better in terms of the the rate the gate that it generates, the revenue that it generates, you know, at the live gate, merchandise, all that stuff. That will do even better, but especially the pay-per-view buy rate because they will have less distractions getting in the way. It'll be the first signature event of the year. They got to get this thing right. Okay, enough with old news. Let's talk about current events. Luis Ortiz fails his VADA drug test. This was a a random test administered by VADA through the WBC's Clean Boxing Program, which uh, Ortiz and his slated opponent, the Titleist, the heavyweight Titleist, Deontay Wilder, are both members of. Now, Luis Ortiz in, in his camp claimed that they were taking blood pressure medications, and I guess he's had uh, this diagnosis of high blood pressure for uh, two or three years now. He's been taking this medication, and uh, that is why apparently this medication uh, had not one but two banned substances as part of it, but his team failed to tell the testing authorities. And guys, if um, I, I, you know, maybe I can grab one of my forms and show you on a video. If you'd like to see it, let me know, because I think I still have some of these forms. But if you're taking us, even if it's a state athletic commission administered, like urine test, or whether it's through VADA or USADA, they have a form that you fill out and, and you list, you know, it's, it's a health questionnaire basically, but you get to a certain section and it asks, Are you on any medications right now? Are you allergic to anything? Do you take any medications? If so, what? And you're supposed to note that. And literally, if you are feeling sick at the time you're taking the test and you took DayQuil that day or Sudafed or something like that because you're congested, whatever, you're supposed to list that. If you're taking supplements, I don't care if it's protein powder or you're taking um, some sort of pre-workout drink or whatever, you're supposed to list that. You're supposed to put down everything. I know a lot of fighters that have told me they put caffeine. If they drank coffee that day, they write caffeine there. They put every damn thing. That's what you're supposed to do. For Luis Ortiz and his team not to disclose that they were prescribed by a doctor to take blood pressure medication, it looks really, really bad, considering that he does have a history he has been popped before for a banned substance. Now, Ortiz and his team have said that they're clean, that they will provide all necessary documentation from their doctors. They also have said that uh, they are willing to do further testing. They are even offering to do hair sample testing, which is, uh, I think, something that we need to do more of. Some people don't believe in sampling uh, or testing hair samples because uh, of the expense and everything. It is a very expensive test. but you think about it, hair grows, right? If you shave your head, hair starts growing and it grows out for six months, you have six months of evidence, if you will, that can be tested in that hair sample. So it, it, it's different than the blood tests, it's different than the urine tests. Again, with all this stuff, guys, it's all science, but there's conflicting reports and conflicting beliefs and there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of gray area. We're still really scratching the surface with a lot of this stuff. And in this age of drug performance-enhancing drugs and the technology that's changing, um, all the information that we're getting just in terms of uh, different people's body chemistry and the way some things break down in fighter or athlete X at this rate and, and athlete Y, it breaks down at a different rate. We're learning all kinds of things about all these drugs. And some of them, may, maybe they're performance-enhancing, maybe they're not. You know, There's debate in all this stuff. My position is... If you got a guy who's willing to do hair sample testing and he's willing to pay for it, freaking do it. Do it. Um, still, though, all, all this uh, going on here, no official statement from the WBC. So, a few of you have asked me, is the fight canceled? You're seeing people very, very carefully headline articles on their sites for clickbait and, of course, videos on YouTube because these hacks, that's what they do, saying fight canceled. And then you read the article and it says, it's likely to be canceled or possibly it could be canceled. Nothing's been canceled at the time I'm filming this. And I've been telling you guys all weekend when, the, when this news broke uh, late last week, all over the weekend, I was telling you, until you hear a statement from the WBC and the promoter, I think Lou DiBella is kind of the shadow promoter that was putting this thing on through Al Heyman. Until you hear some sort of statement from Showtime Just all of it's clickbait, guys. So sit tight and wait. Me, personally, I think that based on everything we have here, it looks to me that I would bet this fight's going to go forward. I would bet that Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz are still going to fight, and we're going to see them go November 4th. For what it's worth, promoter Lou DeBellis said, with or without that heavyweight fight, that card at Barclays Center is still going forward. One last note about this, and then I'll move on. I've seen a lot of people bashing Deontay Wilder and saying that this is a way of protecting him. This is the WBC's doing favors for Al Heyman and protecting Deontay Wilder. Guys, that's all BS. Look, Wilder is someone who's very, very easy to criticize. His career has been smoke and mirrors, and his opposition has been terrible. And this is, I think, the third time now he's been slated to face an opponent that's been popped, that's failed a drug test. And the second time it's been a signature opponent, it would have been the best opponent of his career. Of course, we know about Alexander Povetkin going back a year or so, and now it's Luis Ortiz. None of this is on Deontay Wilder, and it's not his fault that people are failing drug tests. Even if we find out Luis Ortiz is not doing anything wrong, Nothing performance enhancing is going on at all, and it was a simply a miscommunication. And his team screwed up by not disclosing that he was taking these medications. And he gets a TUE, and the fight goes forward. Okay, none of this is Deontay Wilder's fault. So we can criticize Wilder for some of his antics outside the ring, some of the classless behavior. You know, there was that near riot at the hotel after his last fight earlier this year. Uh, his opposition's been trash, he's, he's fought horribly in some of his recent fights, he's fought down to the level of his opposition after looking pretty good against Berman Stevern in the fight where he won his title a couple years ago. We can criticize all that. But this is not on Deontay Wilder. He does not deserve criticism for this, nor did he for the whole Povekian situation, which a few people, a few of the fans out there with YouTube channels really, really went beyond the level of classlessness bashing the guy when he did absolutely nothing wrong. And again, I'm not defending a lot of Deontay Wilder's antics, so you know. Let me preface that. Uh, look, this has nothing to do with WADA, or all VADA does is administer the test and report the result. If there is a, any substance that is on the WADA World Anti-Doping Agency, which sets the protocol for the for the banned prohibited list, if there's a trace element of any substance that is on that prohibited list. Vada reports it. They do not uh, do they have no say in what happens after that. All they do is test and report, test and report. And some of you guys, even going back to the situation with Povecki, and you're like, but there was trace elements. He wasn't positive, guys. Positive means more than zero. Now we can argue again. Performance enhancing or not? Should it be banned or not? We, we can argue all that stuff. But a positive test means more than zero. It means an amount more than zero. In other words, some of a banned substance is in your system. And Ortiz, not one, but two were in his system when he took a test. The way the clean boxing program works is the WBC gives a list of the top 15 rated fighters in each division to Vada, They give them a budget to work with over a certain period of time, whether it's monthly or quarterly, I can't remember. So it's a certain dollar amount, a list of fighters, and they say, do what you will, VADA. VADA administers the tests. They decide which fighter is going to be tested, where and when, all that good stuff. The WBC has nothing to do with it. So for some of you to suggest that this is some elaborate global conspiracy for the WBC to protect Deontay Wilder, who's not a major cash cow, like a Canelo Alvarez or somebody like that, who the WBC would love to get a chunk of and has desperately hoarded themselves out to do so. It just doesn't hold water, guys. It, it, those conspiracy theories, they don't work, okay? So let's put this to bed. Again, as soon as I have information, I'll tweet it out. I'll, I'll let you guys know. But my belief, my prediction, is that November 4th, Wild Ortiz is still going to go ahead. Okay, one last quick note. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series just announced a TV deal, or last week they announced a TV deal on the Audience Network, which is a network I've absolutely never heard of, and it's not even available on regular cable or uh, Time Warner Cable, which is now Spectrum TV here in the states. It's it's only on DirecTV, UVerse, and AT and T Unlimited Plus. So it, it, it's a small network on small platforms although TV obviously is a big platform but so it's very very limited so the World Boxing Super Series is technically on American television now but a very very limited platform all the World Boxing Super Series fights at least for right now are going to continue to be streamed on their website so don't fear if if, if it's not on a station where you live or that you have access to. If, you don't have, if you're in the United States and you don't have the audience network, don't worry about it. You can still go to their website and stream the fight. And a lot of times that's the more convenient thing. If you're out and about, you got your laptop on, you got your cell phone on you, you can stream it live there. All right, guys, that's enough uh, with the news and notes. Let's get into the review of what took place in the ring last week. Last Tuesday, September 26th, it was PBC on Fox Sports 1 once again at the Canary Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas. In the main event, a controversial split draw between Cuban uh, Ledouan Bartholomew, who's the one of three fighting Bartholomew brothers. Uh, Rancis Bartholomew is the most well-known because he, he's got a, a title, but... Uh, Ludion Bartholomew with a split draw against Mexican Eduardo Ramirez. Uh, let's see, Bartholomew falls, well, doesn't really fall, but his record now is blemished. 13-0 with one draw, seven knockouts. And for Ramirez, this was his third draw. He's now 20-0-3 with seven KOs. Most ringside observers felt that the Mexican fighter did enough to win. The Cuban fighters started off pretty well, uh, controlled the early action, but in the middle rounds, Ramirez really started applying a lot of pressure, landing a lot of leather. And most people felt that he eked out a close win. Scores were 97-93 for Bartholomew, which was just a, a, a bad card. One judge had a 95-95, and one scored it the right way in the eyes of most: 96-94 for Ramirez. This was a 10-round featherweight fight. Now, Saturday, September 30th, World Boxing Super Series. It was the, the cruiserweight tournament in Latvia. A good, a big, loud crowd, a raucous crowd to see their home hometown fighter Marius Bredis score a unanimous decision win over Mike Perez in advance to the semis. He is now going to face uh, Usyk, Oleksandr Usyk, and uh, he is going to be the severe underdog in that fight. Scores were 116-110, 115-111, 114-112. For for Bredas, this was the first defense of his WBC Cruiserweight title. Not a very fun fight to watch. Pretty sloppy. Um, There was a few interesting moments, particularly early on, the first few rounds but then Perez started to gas and those of you who watch the show every week you saw my preview last week where I told you that Perez had only fought literally one round one round since May of 2015 when he fought Alexander Povetkin and was stopped uh, or lost to Povetkin he weighed 240 pounds when he fought Povetkin in May of 2015 so skip forward two years Almost two and a half years, he literally fought one round earlier this year. So, you know, he, he showed in that one round he fought, it was actually a portion of a round where he fought a cab driver, that uh, he could make the cruiserweight limit, cool. Other than that, not much else. So, it's, it's understandable why the guy gassed so quickly in this fight. For how gassed he was, for how much ring rest he had, for all of that. It's amazing that Bredis couldn't stop him. I think that guys like Usyk, I think Gassiev, I think Dortikos would have stopped this version of Mike Perez, and Bredis couldn't. Uh, he's gone 24 rounds this year with a very old Marco Hook, who was just stopped in his last fight, right, against against Usyk, and Mike Perez. Not one single knockdown. So this guy is just not a power puncher. Bredis has a record of 23-0 with 18 knockouts, But look at who—look who those 18 knockouts were. I just don't see a big power punching guy here with elite level skills that's going to give Oleksandr Usyk any trouble. And I think that when that fight happens, Usyk is the higher seed, so it's going to be that fight will take place. I don't know if it'll be in America, maybe in, in Germany or something like that, or it could be over in Ukraine or somewhere like that. So. Uh, anything's possible with in regards to where that fight will take place. But you have to favor Usyk big time. And it'll be interesting to see if Usyk can show another level and stop, not just beat the British, but stop him. Also, uh, Christoph Golvaki won a TKO 5 in the co He was on that card as well. So uh, not the greatest fight in the world. So far, I was... Arguably the weakest fight of the tournament so far, the World Boxing Super Series, just as far as action or lack thereof. But Bredis moves forward. For Mike Perez, I really don't know where he goes now from here at this stage of his career. I really thought that if he was 100% for this fight and could go a hard 12 rounds, if he could have fought all 12 rounds the way he fought the first three or four rounds, he probably would have won this fight. And I thought he was a very live dog. On paper, this was to be the most evenly matched of the whole cruiserweight lot, you know, these first, this opening round. And, uh, you know, Perez just couldn't do anything after a few rounds. But when you fight one round in two plus years and you dropped 40 pounds in the process, what do you expect?